Kristen. And I'm Bethany. And this is Looking for the Middle, the Christian Girl's Guide to Modern Dating. We are just two single girls trying to help you navigate dating well as Christian women. And it's season three! We're so excited! We're so, I'm dancing. You can't see me. That's but fine. I'm you wouldn't so, want to. No, it's not great. <laughs> but we're so excited. Bethany and I can't believe it because it's literally been a year since we launched season one. It has been insane. It's crazy to think about. We've come so far. So far. And like, I have loved hearing from so many of you guys and talking to you. And every time we get a message with a question or someone just saying, you know, that they like the podcast, like we, it's so encouraging. Yes. We, we say all the time, we never expected this kind no, of a response. We were hoping maybe like 10 people outside our friends and family yeah, would listen. We, yes, it has absolutely blown completely our blown our minds. Yes. Yeah, so thank you. It wouldn't be this without you guys. Definitely not. So. We love y'all and yes. y'all support means everything. It does. So it's thanks so great. for showing up for another season. We're ready to go. Yes, we are. Before we jump into today's topic though we have been talking to you guys for a while now being like super vague about like okay we've got some cool stuff coming for you we've got some stuff we're working on just be patient blah 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 blah. well it's finally here the vagueness is over it is over we have been working so hard over this summer to put together some resources that we think will be really helpful for you guys if you decide to embark on an online dating journey Actually, some of it applies to all of dating. But yeah, it does. There's some online dating specific stuff. But we, you know, we did our mini series last season about online dating and it was so popular. We had so many questions and we just realized that there are a lot of people who are interested in online dating, but don't really feel like they have enough information to do it successfully. So we wanted to help with that. We have created several hours of audio content for you guys, in-depth reviews of some of the big players in the online dating world. We've got conversation conversation starters when you're messaging somebody. We have how to stop talking to someone. We've got this great like personal inventory that you can answer a lot of questions that you're going to get asked a lot. You can go ahead and think through those, but then also take that information and translate it into creating an effective online dating profile. And we walk you through all of that. And then we also have as a bonus for some of our really devoted fans that once you have gone through all of that and created your online dating profile, you can screenshot it and email it to us. And we will actually give you some personal feedback to hopefully help you get your profile in tip-top shape. When we were going through getting all this stuff recorded and created, we were trying to figure out how to make these resources available to you. We thought, well, we could just sell it through our website. We can try to do it through Instagram, all these different things we tried to figure out. And what we ended up on, the best thing to do was that we created a Patreon account that you guys, if you go to our website and click on the resources button up at the very top on the top navigation bar, that will take you to all of the details. But basically for you guys who may not know how Patreon works, you go to our Patreon page, which you can get through our website, like I said, and there are different levels, I guess you could say, vary from $2 a month to I think $15 a month. We wanted to make this super affordable and easy for y'all and not make it difficult for you to get your hands on these resources because we think they can be helpful to a lot of people and we didn't want money to be an issue. No. So we've created several different ways that you can get those resources, but then also support our podcast here too. We've got some exclusive content that we'll be producing every month for our supporters. 
our patrons on Patreon. And then we also will be creating more content in an ongoing fashion, whether it's resources, whether it's face-to-face time with us, just different stuff like that, that you won't want to miss out on later. So that's a really long introduction, but I think these resources are going to be really helpful for you guys. It's a lot of stuff that Kristen and I both wish we knew before we ever started online dating. That's what I was just about to say. I feel like this is the, because I had Bethany with me when I started online dating. I was asking her questions all the time. Bethany didn't have anybody and she's such (laughs) a good resource. And a lot of this was me interviewing her about her experience and her she'd done a lot of research for this and we don't hold back no and I think it's so good because I literally thought when we started this I'm like oh this is kind of what I got when I and we I didn't even get all of this we were talking about stuff like oh I wish I had known that or this Uh would have been great so this will be so eye-opening I think for y'all and will allow you to make really good decisions at the beginning instead of having to go through this process kind of trial and error like a lot of people do yep I think you'll start a little bit ahead of most people if you take a take advantage of these definitely okay but let's jump into season three let's do it okay your question of the day okay here's my question okay I haven't done this in so long I know it's kind of weird what is your favorite thing from this past summer since we broke I guess it's not just the summer because we broke in what end of July that's what has just been yeah it's been like a month so your favorite thing over the break yes oh gosh Okay, I have mine. Okay, now, what is it? Granted, the whole month of August has been a wonderful music month. So I know what you're going to you say. You know what I'm going to say? Okay. So I'm going to say <laughs> it was a two-part thing. But I went to see the Jonas Brothers. Yes. In concert. Oh, my word. I have never danced that hard to concert <laughs> ever. It was so much fun. It was just my childhood coming alive. It. Oh, my gosh. It was just incredible. They're just so cute and great <laughs> and they sound amazing it was a phenomenal concert i am seriously considering going back again in november when they come back <laughs> but it was so good and taylor swift's new album came out which y'all know i'm a massive taylor swift fan this might be my favorite album of hers ever also ray if you're listening let's compare notes on this album because i know you probably listened to it too so message me on instagram or something and we'll talk about it but yeah music in august I was also part of your answer that I'm sure you're going to say, but it's just been a great musical month. It has. And I'm not, okay. So mine, you know what I'm going to say? Yes. Mine, I am not normally a concert person. No. Bethany never goes with me. I never, they go all the time and I'm always like, meh, nah, I'm good. But y'all, I have wanted to go since I was probably 15, 14 to a Backstreet Boys concert. And I never have. I've never gone. Like, we looked for a while never when they gone. were. <laughs> I didn't even do that on purpose. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Yep, you're welcome. Um, so they had a residency in Vegas for a while. We looked several times at, like, going to Vegas just to go see the Backstreet Boys. It never could work. Well, they were in Atlanta a couple weeks ago. And y'all. It was amazing. We went. I think I my Instagram caption, we came, we saw, we sang, we swooned. Yes. And we did. We <laughs> sang every song. We <laughs> had the best time. It was so much fun. And let me just tell you, they can still dance. Oh my god. Like I was. And they're impressed. all in their 40s. It was crazy. Yeah, it's we so crazy. it was so funny. We had found the set list before the concert. So we had made a playlist on Spotify of all the songs, you know, in order. And we started listening and I was like, Kristen, I know the chorus. To every Backstreet Boys song there is, I think. I didn't know any. I was like, that's what, what that's what that song's about? 
I didn't know any of the verses. It was great. So we learned all the songs yes. and we were ready. It was great. But let me just tell you, if you have the chance to go, it is a good concert. It's phenomenal. It's not short either. No. Like you get your money's worth. Definitely. They're very entertaining. So yeah, Backstreet Boys. <sighs> Definitely my favorite. Yep. It's been a good thing over the break. Yep. It's been a good break for us, y'all. It's been. Yes, it has. Very fun, full of losing our voices and dancing like idiots. That's the only way I can dance. Yeah, basically. (laughs) All right. Wow. That was a lot of information to throw at y'all before. That was. So thanks for sticking around. (laughs) All right. Let's jump in to today's topic as we kick off the season. We're going to get heavy right off the bat. Yeah, really. We were just trying to keep y'all in good spirits before we asked this really super deep question. Yeah. So we actually got asked this question over the summer. Bethany will talk mm-hmm. about this in a minute. But can wanting marriage be a bad thing? And of course, my gut answer is heck no. <laughs> marriage is wonderful. Always, and, no matter what. Yes. Not, well, marriage is wonderful. But wanting marriage can possibly be a bad thing. Mm-hmm. If the romantic in me there is saying go. a big if. But if four things that we came up with. There may be more. There's plenty are, more. I'm these sure. are the four we're <laughs> going to talk about. Number one, if you want marriage more than you want anything else, a.k.a. Jesus. Number two, if you think being married will complete you as a person. Number three, if you think marriage or your husband will fix all of your problems and erase all of your insecurities. Definitely big deal if you think of that one once or twice. Or number four, if you have the misguided expectation that a husband will fulfill the role that only Christ can in your life, which comes down to priorities. If you think any of those things or you want marriage for any of those reasons, it's not a good thing. No. So we are going to talk about that. Yeah. And yeah, like Kristen said, we got that question this summer. We also led a Bible study over the summer on the topic of our identity and where we should find our value and our worth. And the obvious Sunday school answer is that it's in Jesus. But why? Mm -hmm. And how do you do that? Those are not as obvious of an answer. And so we led a study on like how to find that. And it was so helpful to us. If not, like I was so encouraged and just so challenged as we studied for it and got ready that we really wanted to bring this and share this with you guys. And then when we got that question of can wanting marriage be a bad thing, we knew we just had a match made in heaven as far as when to put those things together. So we're going to talk today about when wanting marriage can be a bad thing and what that looks like. But then also the flip side of finding your identity in Christ and how to do that and where to put your trust and what that looks like. Because it's really easy. Everyone says, oh, you just need to find your identity in Christ. You just need to be content in Christ. You just find your identity in him. And sometimes it's like, what does that even mean? Okay. Was it lost? Yeah. Like, (laughs) do I need to go Like, I lost my marbles. (laughs) Did I lose my identity? Has it been stolen? Like I'm, and I'm being facetious. This right. Way. But you get the point of like, it's not just this concrete thing that's really easy to figure out all the time. So we're going to walk through several things that will help us see that. Okay. So with that in mind, let's start off then with what we hear from the world that we should be finding our identity in. And we'll share a couple of those real quick. But before we do, I want you to take a second and think for yourself, okay, what are some things that you struggle with finding your identity in? And I want you to kind of take those one, two, three things and keep those in the forefront of your mind through this episode and kind of view what we're going to talk about through that lens, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. I know for me, other than my relationship status or lack thereof, sometimes I can find my identity in that. I struggle with finding 
my identity in the way I look and my appearance and how I measure up to the people around me. Like, oh, am I as good looking Mm -hmm. as they are? Or am I as fit as she is? Or am I, you know, are people going to think less of me because I don't look like her? So that's one thing I struggle with. Yeah, I know for me, same for me of obviously like, do you have a guy? Are you dating someone? What's And the older you get, I think the more that one becomes a thing to an extent in that you get asked about it a lot more. <laughs> Why aren't you dating anyone? Yes. Why aren't you married? It's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But then for me, a big one is just what do other people think of me? Mm-hmm. If other people tell me I'm doing good, if other people tell me that that's I'm doing the right thing and other people tell me, oh, good job. That was a great whatever. Then I'm feeling good about myself. But I don't. I put that in the wrong place. Like we were saying, it's mm-hmm. misprioritized. Is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's just not in the correct order of I look for that. And then if people tell me I'm doing good, then I just stop there. Yeah. And it doesn't always get to the point of, okay, what does the Lord say about this? Mm-hmm. And so that's a big one that I'm, I constantly, I shouldn't say constantly because I don't constantly battle with it sometimes, you know, yeah. a lot of times I just don't battle with it. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's something we're going to kind of point out here is this is not something that's just going to become second nature necessarily over time it will become easier but it may be a struggle and it may be something that you do constantly think of of no I'm going to trust in the Lord no I'm finding my identity in Christ no my worth is what he tells me Mm -hmm. not what other people do and that's something that my status fluctuates with the approval of people and it shouldn't yeah well and I think so much of where we can get caught up in this is how we're trying to define ourselves or describe ourselves or have other people define us or describe us. Like for me, I can struggle too sometimes with either just wanting to have my life together or some people call it being a perfectionist, whatever that looks like. If I'm, mm-hmm. you know, in a good place with, you know, I've moved out and I'm living on my own. I have a good job and I, you know, bought a car and I, you know, mm-hmm. fill in the blanks. I'm living my adult life like I should, then I'm okay. Right. And then if something starts to fall apart, it's like, well, no, that doesn't say anything about whether I am loved by God yeah. or that I am his daughter or like that doesn't contribute to it all. But those are the things that we start to cling to. Yeah. And that's where it gets murky. Yeah. And if marriage or having a guy that will lead to marriage Mm -hmm. is one of those things for you, then Mm -hmm. wanting marriage the way you want it is a bad thing. Mm. Yes. That's a great way to You know, you need to to get that solidified with your identity in Christ and then move forward. Wanting marriage just as much as you did before, but in the correct priority space. Exactly. Yeah. So I want to read really quick um, first Peter two, nine, and Bethany's going to give us more context around first Peter in general, but this verse is what we're going to focus on because it describes who we are as followers of Christ. So the verse says, but you are a chosen people, a Royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who calls you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Don't you just love that? I love that. And I do want to point out, and I'm going to get it, like she said, into the background of First Peter as a whole, like where that was coming from. But just hear us at the beginning. This verse, we're not saying in any way that this is God telling you how awesome you are. And you just do whatever you want because you are awesome. You're a queen. No, that's not what he's saying here. And we're going to, like I said, get into the context of First Peter and then what this really means for our identity in Christ. So... 
let's look at First Peter as a whole. Let's get into a little bit of a history lesson here because we know I'm a nerd. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just going to beat you to it here. Yep, you are. <laughs> so, it's fine. We love you anyways. And this quick little background, there's three people groups or three people that I want us to think about. There's the Romans, there's Nero, who was the emperor, and then there are the Christians. So in Rome at the time, it was, I think, AD 64, the city of Rome burned. The Romans believed Nero had burned the city. And their lives were shattered. Everything, including their temples, their household idols, all of it burned up with the city. And those were their gods that just burned right up with everything else. And so they they believed that their gods hadn't been able to withstand this fire and were victims of it too, just as much as they were. And so obviously they were really, really mad at Nero because they thought he had burned the city. And just like thinking about that, their entire way of thinking was shattered because their gods burned up with everything else. And a big focus of First Peter chapter 1, then, though, is it talks about the steadfast power of God for salvation. So it's saying, hey, I know you saw all of this that was burned, <laughs> but here's the true God. Here's his steadfast power. So that is a big focus of chapter 1 of First Peter. I know our verse is from chapter 2, but just so you have that context. And then Nero then, because he was like, oh, no everyone's mad at me. What am I going to do? He said, no, no, no. The Christians burned the city. He was trying to like deflect that blame. And obviously then, as you can imagine, the people in Rome turned against them. And suddenly the Christians found themselves under intense persecution. So that gives a little perspective when in first Peter one, six, it says in this, you rejoice though. Now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. That verse that we've all heard, that's who he was writing to. These Christians who had just been probably run out of the city. In the very first verse of 1 Peter, he refers to them as pilgrims. They had likely been completely run out of the, the city. So now let's put on our imagination hats for a second. Imagine that was you. You've just been run out of the city because someone said you had burned it down. Like this whole group of people. Like how easy would it be to listen to what other people are telling you about who you are? Mm. Like, these were mainly Gentiles in the Gentile Christians. And so their identity as Christians wasn't like it was for the Jews. It was something that was not necessarily part of their heritage throughout their entire lives. They had become Christians. They had believed in Jesus and now they've been run out of the city. And they, I mean, they're people not happy with them. I mean, I just think of myself and I'd be like, Oh, I'm nothing. I'm like, it would be so easy to take on, that identity of what those people are yelling at you. So now let's go back to our verse in chapter two, where he is saying, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, his own special people. So that's the context in which he's telling them that. And if you go back to, I know we're flipping around a lot, but I think this is important. And this is something that was so encouraging to us. If you go back in Exodus Chapter 19, which is to the Jews in Exodus, verse 6 says, And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So he called the Jews the same thing. Peter's reiterating this verbiage, telling those Gentiles, all of these same things apply to you too. Your identity as a follower of Christ is just the same as those are. It's in these verses leading up to this that Peter is telling them that Jesus is their cornerstone. He's their foundation. He's what they can build on with confidence. 
whether you're Jew, whether you're Gentile, your identity is in Christ as your foundation and you are his special people. That's your identity. Not that you can go do anything and you're just so awesome and God loves you so much. It's saying Christ is your cornerstone and he has chosen you. Rest in that. Stand firm in that. That is your identity. That's what he's telling them. And I think this just came to me. So if this is off base, (laughs) tell me or cut it out, whatever you want to do. But the way I'm thinking about this, you know, we're Peter is addressing the Gentiles just as the Jews were addressed Mm -hmm. previously, that regardless of what you were, Mm -hmm. the fact that you were a follower of Christ meant that your cornerstone, your foundation was him. Mm -hmm. That is the same exact case for whether you're single or married. Yes, exactly. There's this, you know, untrue statement or not even a statement, but this idea that, okay, well, there's this other level of holiness Mm -hmm. or sanctification that I can get to if I'm married or your husband is a reward. Once you get to level whatever in your Christian walk. No, like whether you are married or single, your foundation as a follower of Jesus is in Christ and he is the cornerstone and he is the commonality and he is your reason for being on this earth. Yeah. And pursuing him and loving him and loving other people because of him. That is why you are here. Mm-hmm. So you're not less than no, because of your marital status. You're, it's different. It is and different. And we say here, different is not the same thing as bad. Mm-mm. It's just not. No, it's just different. Yeah, exactly. And keeping that at the forefront of your mind is, I think, really going to help you as you're trying to, like we said, find your identity in Christ. It's that your identity is not going to change even if your marital status does. Yes. If you're, if you now are seeking other things to fulfill you, to find your identity in, being married won't change that. You Mm -hmm. will still do that then. It just won't be a husband anymore because you got one of those. Yeah. It'll be something else. It'll be kids. It'll be a certain kind of house. It'll be the certain, you know, whatever status symbol there is. And I think that's part of the problem is we equate a lot of times a husband as a status symbol. If we're going to be real honest and real blunt here, we've all done it. Yeah, for sure. Because there's this idea that, well, this is, I'm, I'm good enough. Yeah. I'm a step up now. For one of these. (laughs) Yeah. Because I scored one, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that is just completely misguided. mm -hmm. It's completely wrong. Yeah. So let's look then those descriptors that Peter uses at the beginning of the verse when he says chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Those are heavy, big, really powerful words. It's not like, oh, you're great and you're awesome (laughs) and you're cool. No. Yeah. Chosen and royal and holy. Like those are big, really incredible words. And I don't want to just skip over it because this is a verse we've heard before. I mean, you think about being called chosen. And I was having a conversation with my brother. This has been a few years ago. And he asked me, he said, Kristen, if there is one thing that a guy could like say to you that would just make you feel so loved and Mm. cared for and whatever, what would it be? And I said, I would want him to say that he chose me. Yeah. That's what we all want to hear. That word holds so much weight because I've been overlooked for something or someone else Mm -hmm. times before. Yeah. And it's just this gut-wrenching feeling to feel like you're not enough. But what Peter is saying here is you're chosen by God, the creator of everything and everyone. And what are you chosen for? You're chosen to be holy. Like he says later in the verse, you're a holy nation to be set apart and to be freed from sin. And those aren't things that unbelievers can do because they, you cannot be considered holy apart from Christ. Right. And 
so I don't want us to just, like I said, skip over these words and be like, oh, it's great. I'm chosen. I'm holy. And I'm no. Yeah. What does really, mean? Yeah. Really. And take some time. I would tell you to do this on your own because we don't have time to get into all of this. But look up those words and what they're defined as and how yeah, they're used. Yeah. Get out a good concordance. And yeah. The Greek and all of that. It's nerd yes, out I, like me and Bethany do. I you know? will. And I think, yeah, it's so, yeah. it's important though, too, because so many things lose some meaning when they're in English. Like they when do. They're translated. If you look at these words, you're like, oh, that's not what, <laughs> yeah. what I think of with that. So get back to the original. Get back to the whole context and see what those are because things will have a different meaning. Yeah. So one thing, though, I do want to point out because it's really easy when you start thinking about like, oh. Well, God chose me and he just thinks I'm so wonderful and great because of who I am you know, is that he sees that. And that's not the case. We are holy because Christ made us holy. His holiness, his righteousness is what makes us holy because we're following him. He has chosen us to be that, not because of anything within ourselves. So let's look just for the sake of looking at the whole of scripture whole here. What else does the Bible say about who we are? Let's go back to... Let's uh, do an ego check, yeah, shall we? To Jeremiah here, seven, chapter 17, verse 9. Ready? No. <laughs> the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? So that's what God says about who we are, too. That is what our hearts are. Um, and just so, while we're on it, uh, some synonyms for desperately wicked are incurably now, if you talk about someone who is incurably sick, you tell them, well, come on, just make yourself better. You're good. You got it. Like you're good in a, you know, you are good. You'll be fine. No, they are incurably sick. If you're incurable or someone has a terminal illness, they're not going to just make themselves better. It takes divine intervention to fix, quote unquote, that. So that is what our hearts are. There is no fixing them. They are terminally ill without divine intervention. And that is what we have on the cross is that divine intervention. So let's look at another one more verse, because here we have two different parts of scripture. One is saying we are all these really powerful, wonderful things. And the other one is saying that we are desperately wicked and incurably sick, basically. Yeah. So, so how do you get from one yes, to the other? How because do we, if you can't cure yourself. Right. How do you go from desperately wicked to chosen and holy? Yeah. As we said. So I want to read Romans 5, 6 through 8 real quick, which says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I know that we've, we quote that last verse a lot, but I love that. I think a lot of times we miss the gravity of that verse mm -hmm. by reading the first, those two before it, because I mean, think, are there really that many people on this earth that you would die for? And if you did, it would be because you loved them, not because they were good people. If you think about it that yeah. way, if I'm going to die for like my little sister, it's because I love her and I don't want anything to happen to her. It's mm -hmm. not because, I mean, I think she's great, but like that wouldn't be yeah. the first reason to pop it in mind to die for this person. But some, yeah. And here, you're a criminal. Yeah. You're not going to be like, oh, no. hold on, I got this. Yeah. Hold on. I'll take your pick. <laughs> no. And here Jesus was going through this 
horribly awful, gruesome, terrible death. And what does it say after all these people had fixed themselves and they were good, Christ died for them? Wrong. What does it say? We were still sinners. We were still screwed up. But what's so important to know here, that verse talking about we were powerless and we were sinners. And this, we don't go from desperately wicked to chosen and holy without him. And so when we talk about finding your identity in Christ, it's finding that like your identity is nothing apart from Christ Mm -hmm. is basically what that's saying. Your identity is desperately wicked and incurably sick without only because of him that we are because because you're all you're chosen and you're royal and you're holy and you're all of these things. And we were bought with a price. Mm -hmm. So what does that price, that true identity require of us? Mm-hmm. And it's right there in our in our verse from First Peter. If you go back, it says you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Why? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's why we're those things. Is so we can say, look what he did for me. Look what he did for Christians when we didn't deserve it at all. Mm-hmm. It's not okay. We, he made you all of these things so then you could go get married. Right. It's so that you could honor him and glorify him with your life and the way that you live it. And regardless of anything else. Yeah. And whether you are struggling with finding your identity in your relationship status, which obviously is what we keep talking about because this is a dating podcast, but (laughs) we told you at the beginning of the episode to think about some things that you struggle with finding your identity in. Think about those things In this context, God did not send Christ to make you a chosen and holy and royal person. So you could be awesome awesome to all of your friends and, you know, be great at this and have your life together. And and the star football player will want to date you. Yes. No. No. And I get that our flesh, that's where we go because it's our flesh. Mm -hmm. And it can be very tempting to go down that road and to try to fulfill yourself with all these other things and all these other people. But yeah, it won't always feel like it's enough. No, it won't. Finding your identity in Christ. This is something I've really had to wrestle with. Will not always feel good. It'll Mm -hmm. feel like you need Jesus plus something else. You'll find yourself saying, yeah, you know, Jesus is great and all. But if I was also um, dating somebody, Mm -hmm. that'd be really awesome. Or if I also had this job, that would be really great. Or, oh, if I made this amount of money, this would be Mm -hmm. even better. I mean, I have been a Christian for over 20 years now. And you would think at this point (laughs) that you would, I would be like, you know what? He's enough. And there are days that I feel that. Mm -hmm. I really do. And they get more and more the longer you follow him because you learn. But there are some days I'm like, Lord, I love you. I really do. But I would just really like to be married. (laughs) And so I get it. It's a very difficult part of life yeah and you don't always see the end you don't always see the ending or down the road or the results and so you don't you don't understand because you don't see what god is doing but i something that's been big for me this year it's come up over and over and you and i've talked about this even is Mm -hmm. and i would just encourage y'all with this is do you really want to serve a god that you fully understand Mm -hmm. because if you fully understood everything about god he wouldn't be any different from you that's terrifying, right? <laughs> if you really think about and it. And if you understood everything or you saw the end result, where would the need for trust be? Mm-hmm. But he's given you enough that he is good and he is kind and he is faithful. 
And while you were sinners, he died for you. That's what you need to know. And I think when it boils down to it, when you're thinking of your identity and what that rests in and what, you know, constitutes who you are, I think the one thing or the one thought that needs to always be at the forefront of your mind, and this is something that I'm working on too, is not saying, what do people think of me? Or I wonder, you know, is he going to like me? What is that guy going to think of me if I say this or do this or whatever? But instead think, what do people think of Jesus when they see me? Mm, I love that. That should be your mindset. That should be what you're striving to improve because he's what matter. We are to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That is what your life is about. That is what people should see when they look at you as someone who is telling them about Jesus. In action, in word, in attitude, all of those things should point to him. Regardless of if you ever get married or not. Mm-hmm. Now, here, I want to get married just as much as the next person. I'm not saying yep. you don't want that. <laughs> Hear us. I think you know that by now. But what we're saying is that should never be your first priority. Mm-hmm. You are not a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation so that you can get married. Or because you're married. Yep. Either Exactly. One. It doesn't work either way with that. Yeah. So. So our challenge for you guys would be based on what we've talked about today, like really begin to take some time to deepen your knowledge of Christ and what he says about you and, and about himself word, and about himself. Exactly. And one thing that's been really helpful for me and Bethany is finding a verse. You can just start with one verse. You can begin to make this a habit if you mm-hmm. want to, but find a verse that will help you put off one of those specific struggles that you thought about at the beginning of the episode that you fi- that you catch yourself mm-hmm. finding your identity in. Find a verse that applies to that and write it down. Put it on a note card. Stick it in your car. Write it on your bathroom mirror. Make it your phone screensaver. Mm-hmm. Whatever you have to do to keep it in front of you. And really put the time in to memorize that verse and to meditate on that verse and to pray through that verse. And ask God to renew your heart and your mind mm-hmm. in that way. And he will do that. He yeah. will be so faithful to he do is that. very faithful to honor. Those are the things he wants his children to ask him. Yeah. He wants to do that. He wants to provide that deepening knowledge of who he is. So he, he is always faithful in that. Mm-hmm. So if the question is, can wanting marriage be wrong? Yes, but it doesn't mean it has to be. No. And the answer is wanting anything more than you want to honor the Lord, more than you want to obey him, more than you want to find fulfillment in him is wrong. The desire itself may be good, but you have elevated it to a status and a level it should never have. And you can want anything. You can want biblical knowledge to an extent that it would be wrong. Because you want to know the Bible so well that other people are impressed by your knowledge. Mm. That's pride. Mm-hmm. So anything, regardless of how lofty and good it seems on its face, can be tainted and twisted by your motives and that heart of yours that's desperately sick or desperately wicked and incurably sick. So that's what you need to do. Check your heart. Always come back to that. I can't think about check your heart without thinking of John Chris. <laughs> I knew it. I knew you were going to say that. Oh, man. No. So well said. As we have determined, Bethany is our closer, and I am learning that I'm the opener. You are, because I can't stumble through an opening to save my life. This is why we're a good team, guys. It is. Yes. Okay. Well, that's all we have for episode one of season three. We are so glad to be back. Yes, we We are. We have a lot of really fun 
topics and things we're excited about, but we've always got room for more. Yes. So send Keep in the your ideas. Coming. We've got we've got some couch cast ideas right now, but we need more, so send those in as well. And like we said at the beginning of the episode, go check out the website for the online dating starter pack. But other than that, we will see you on, on Friday, Friday with a new couch cast. Yep. But until then, I'm Bethany. And I'm Kristen. And this is Looking for the Middle. Mm-hmm.